You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and uh, flip to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 7, as we uh, continue in our series, God with us. This, this week's message is entitled, The Moment, The Moment. Um, over 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah makes a statement, Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And there is a moment, a moment where God does a miraculous work in a miraculous conception. A moment. A moment that will address the mess that was created as we began looking at this verse and and saw the therefore that was in the beginning of the verse and and discovered what it was there for, the the failure of Ahaz, the failure of the nation, the sin that they found themselves in, but even more importantly to us because we know the real and ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah 14 is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the therefore that was there for us because of our separation from God and, and our sinfulness. We saw the mess, and then last week we saw the message that God himself was going to deal with this hopeless situation. And it happens, or continues to happen, but on earth it happens in this moment when the virgin conceives. God God does things at the right time. It was in God's time before the foundation of the world, and at the right time. It's interesting for our salvation as well. Romans 5, 6 says, but while we were still weak, at the, right, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God is working. God is preparing the way. God is setting the table and all of it to fulfill what he has promised and what he has said, and he's doing it all at exactly the right time. So you got your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as uh, we read from his word. And I'm going to read uh, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Now listen as I read from Matthew as well. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, again, we are privileged to hold your word in our hands and to see revealed to us on the pages the amazing working that that you are putting in place in the giving of your son. Father, the plan from before the foundation of the world is now being fulfilled for us to see. 
and behold, the virgin shall conceive. Father, as we look at these familiar words today, would you move us past the familiarity of them to the reality of what you are doing and, and what you have accomplished for us and to never forget your awesome work in the giving of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, give us ears, God, to hear your word today. Willingly open our ears, God, so that we would listen carefully. Give us minds that we might understand God, would you uh, take the one who is in darkness, separated from you, who has never trusted Christ, would you open their eyes to see the Savior today? And then, Lord, would you give us passionate hearts to live out because of what you've accomplished for us in Jesus Christ the Lord. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, the first word of the part of the verse we're looking at this week is the word behold. I want to talk about the immutable work of God. The immutable work of God. The word behold, that word behold, it means to arrest attention. It's to indicate something important. It's not some passive little word. It's not like, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son, and behold, the virgin shall conceive. It's not like that at all. It's a statement that was given to grab you to make sure you didn't lose hold of it. Uh, as Isaiah is writing to Ahaz and to the nation, uh, he's arresting their, their attention, full demonstration that this is God who is at work. Remember last week it said, the Lord himself, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, look at what the Lord is doing. And although this verse and, and Christmas time is a, a lot is about what what. The virgin birth and God's working in all these things. The, the reality of all of this is, is a focus on who God is and what he has done for us. And he starts with that word, uh, behold. Uh, I went to my mailbox yesterday and I opened it up and uh, we received a card. Coincidence? I don't know. Coincidence? I don't even believe in coincidence. But here's what I know. Big, right on the front of it is, behold. Great, big, bold letters, behold. And the, the verse that's used is, and the angel said to them, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Behold. Behold, it's not a passive thing at all. It's designed to grab our attention. It's designed to make us focus. It's, it's probably more like this. It's like this. It's like, behold. Okay, so that's what it's like. You get it? Wake up, take note, behold. behold. I got shivers today just doing that. That was, that was kind of cool. This is primarily about God. This is primarily about what he is doing. Uh, this is the virgin birth is the fulfillment, but it's the fulfillment of an awesome God doing his work in his way. Uh, we talked last week and, and we talked about Therefore, the Lord himself. And when we talked about the Lord himself, we looked at it in the context of some of his names. And we talked about Yahweh, Jehovah. We, we talked about El. And, and we talked about Adonai. We looked at, at those names. There are lots of other ways you could look at it. Uh, today, I want to uh, take a minute as we think about the immutable working of God. What does, first of all, what does immutable mean? It means the unchanging. God is an unchanging God. He is immutable. Nothing surprises him. His ways are solid. His ways are right. In, in James chapter 117, it says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation 
or shadow due to change. Hebrews 1, 10 to 12 says, You laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. In Titus 1, 1 and 2, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, God who never changes, promised before the ages began. God is immutable. He is unchanging. He is faithful. He is consistent in our struggle, in our hurt, in the challenges we face. We can go back to a God who loves us just the same yesterday or tomorrow as he will love us yesterday despite of the failures we might have and the sin that might be committed. God still loves us because, because he is unchanging. As I said, we saw it in his name. We, we can see that in God in his, in his nature. Therefore, the Lord Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, behold the Lord. Behold the Lord in some of his attributes. Think of him in his omnipotence, all-powerful, the one who is the creator and the sustainer, uh, omnipotent, the one who is omniscient, all-knowing, all-knowing, the God who is omnipresent. He, he's not like, well, I don't have time for you today. He's omnipresent the one who is eternal, the one who is filled with truth, the one who is filled with grace, the one who pours his mercy out on us, the loving God who loves us in spite of our sin and our failure. Behold, 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 the one whose plans and his will will not be thwarted, the one who has given us his word so that we can know him and understand him and the working of the spirit through his word changes us. It brings us to new life. It grows us up in Christ. Behold, behold God in his nature. Uh, behold God in his character. Behold God in his character. Character, moral character of a person is how he acts and how he behaves. God's character, God does what he says he will do. God is perfectly consistent in that. I've used this illustration before with you, with our kids. Uh, one of the things that when we said, I promise, we ever use those words, our kids knew you could take that to the bank. We're a sarcastic family. We're a crazy family. We play around a lot in a lot of things. But one thing we never played around with was I promise. If I said to them, I promise, they knew I was going to deliver. They knew I would. If they were standing on the edge of the pool and they were afraid to jump in, they knew if Daddy said, I promise that they could jump and I would be there. It wasn't like Charlie Brown and the football gets pulled out and he lands on his back. That never happened. It never happened because I promised. I promised. It's not like Carl jumped in in the deep end and as he's coming through the air, I went, woohoo, good luck. It never happened because it was about character. It was about how I acted and how I behaved. And in those things, I did what I said I would do. And that's what God does for us in his character. He does what he says. God is honest. He does not over or under promise. And he keeps his promises. And God is consistent. Behold. The Lord himself 
is about to do a work. Behold, sit up, pay attention, take note, and see what God is doing here. That's the immutable work of God. Well, here's the second thing I want us to see out of this verse is the improbable servant of God. You have the immutable work of God. Now we have the improbable servant of God. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive. Uh, you can take your Bibles and turn over to Luke chapter 1 as we continue with the Christmas story. Um, the improbable servant of God in Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel, Gabriel, was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? I want to take a look at the improbable servant of God. The Bible says she found favor with God. What an awesome statement. And Mary found favor with God. Okay, so I thought about that and thought about my own life, and as the Lord looked down from heaven and looked at me, would he say that about me? Yeah, Paul, you find, I find favor with you. I find favor with you. I kind of like the way it looks. Would God say that about you? Think about what you did this past week and what you were involved in and, and the different situations you were in and, and the way that things were working out in your life and would the Lord look down on you and that would be a favorable impression. So it said about her, it said she found favor with God. Now the Catholic Church takes us way, way, way beyond what the Bible says about Mary. It talks about her and some immaculate conception and uh, the only immaculate conception that ever happened was the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ. But the doctrine of the immaculate conception is taught, is not taught, it's not about Jesus Christ. It's about Mary. It's really the, it goes like this, essentially the immaculate conception is the belief that Mary was protected from original sin, that Mary did not have a sin nature and was in fact sinless. But that's what the doctrine is. And uh, there's some big problems with that doctrine. Um, here's the first big problem with it. It's not taught in the Bible. You don't find it anywhere in the Bible. It comes out of tradition. It comes out of religious leaders. It comes out of all kinds of places, but it doesn't come from the Bible. Mary was an improbable servant of God. The Bible nowhere describes Mary as anything but an ordinary human female who God chose, who God found favor with, to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't even hint that there was anything significant about Mary's conception. It's just not found in the Bible. To the point when the angel speaks to her, 
She's like, are you kidding me? Me? Why me? What have I ever done? If you think it through logically, for Mary to have an immaculate conception, then her mom had to have an immaculate conception, and her mom, and her mom, and her mom, and there was only ever one virgin who conceived and bore a son, and God did that amazing work when he found favor in Mary. Not to ridicule her, not to put her down. I would love to hear those words from God. Paul, you found favor. I'm sure she was a godly woman. She probably was a wonderful wife and an amazing mother. She was definitely loved and cherished by her son. But the Bible gives us no reason to believe that Mary was a sinless person. She was a servant of God who God chose and God used in an amazing, amazing way. In fact, the Bible gives us every reason to believe that Jesus Christ is the only person who was not infected by sin and who never committed sin. Jesus was the only one. In Romans 3, 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In John 1, 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In 1 John 3, 5, it says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sin and in him there is no sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In 1 Peter 2.22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Mary was the improbable servant of God. Why? Because of the imperative. God had a plan. The imperative plan of God. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. This was all part of God's plan from before time. Uh, this is what God is running, uh, ruling out, but rolling out. This is what God is doing. Be, behold, behold, look at the Lord, look at the Lord. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. God in his time, it, at the right moment, he would do his work, and the Lord Jesus Christ would come to the earth because God had a plan, and God's plan is being fulfilled in his time, in his way, for his glory. The fulfillment of what is said in Genesis 3, 15, after the fall of Adam and Eve, when, when God is talking to Satan, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And that's the picture of what's going to come, and, and there's going to be a battle, and Christ will reign, and he will rule, and he will win from before the foundation of the earth, but in Genesis 3, and now all laid out and all the things of the law are, are now going to come to fruition in the birth of Jesus Christ because God shall do it. He shall do it. He is sovereign. He is God. He is in control. He does things in his time. He does things in his way. He does things for his glory. He will do it. It's God's plan. And it's God's plan so that you and I can have salvation through Jesus Christ the Lord. The virgin shall conceive. He shall. 
Because God is sending his son not only to be the baby in the manger, but to be the perfect example, the right and righteous sacrifice, the only true payment for our sin, so that by faith in him, by believing in him, we can have eternal life. God shall do it. He shall do it, and he did it in Jesus Christ. And, and I couldn't earn it, and I didn't deserve it, and, and God did it. And all he said I have to do is believe. You believe what Jesus Christ has done. You take that for yourself, what he has done, and you will be saved. There I am, a sinner separated from God. Nothing I can do to fix it. And God said, I shall, I shall take care of that. And he does it through the birth of Jesus Christ. In his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, all for us because God shall. God does things the way he wants them done. And the imperative here is because God has a plan and it's being fulfilled. And the plan's fulfillment, it comes out in the offer of salvation for us. And if we believe, we will be saved. Chris prayed about that before the message started. With, if there's somebody here who doesn't know the Lord, that God would open your eyes to see Jesus this Christmas. That you put your faith and trust in him and you would be saved because God has an imperative. It's the plan of God. Well, the last thing I want to look at is the impossible, and that's the accomplishment of God. And this is an impossible thing God is going to do. It says, the virgin shall conceive. At some level, the sentence doesn't even make sense. Virgins can't conceive. It can't happen. It's never happened before, and it's never happened since. The virgin shall conceive. So let's talk about that, because this is a critical piece for us. This is, this is a crucial piece for us for our salvation. And so as we take a look, is the virgin birth important? It's pivotal. It's absolutely critical. And so let's take a look at what the Bible says about it and, and what the words were, because there's the critics of all of this as well. And I want to take a few minutes to kind of launch into that. But even the word that's used in the book of Isaiah for virgin is the word Alma. The word Alma, it's a, it's a word that does not literally mean virgin like we come to understand it with Mary when it's filled out. It, it means a maiden. It means a maiden. And so the skeptics, they love that. They kind of go, well, well, see, see, she didn't have to be a virgin. She didn't have to be a virgin. However, the skeptics overlook the fact that each time the Bible uses that word for a woman, it never refers to one that has sexually known a man, ever. Uh, could it have another meaning? Yes, it could. And there's a reason for that. If, if there was a secondary, we talked about this last week, if there was a secondary application of this prophecy that was fulfilled in Isaiah's day, it allowed for that to happen. The word Alma, never used in the Bible to word for any woman who has sexually known a man, ever, ever. There's another word that could have been used in the Hebrew. It would be the word, I may not say this exactly right, but Bethula, and that would be the word that would be clean and tight, and, but that wouldn't allow for the fulfillment if there was a fulfillment in Isaiah's day. And so Isaiah used this word, Alma. The Septuagint translators chose the Greek word Parthenos. It means virgin. And uh, it's a much stronger word. It's a much clearer word. Um, but there's way more to it than just that. So what does the, the Bible teach us? 
We want to look first at what the scriptures teach and how they describe this event. In, in response to Mary's question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And so we have the word in the Old Testament, the virgin shall conceive, and, and we have uh, the angel coming and explaining this to her, and we have the angel with his ex explanation in Joseph's dream. And Joseph is like, I never touched her. I, I didn't. I didn't. And he's even going to put her away privately. And the angel comes and the conversation with the angel for Mary, nobody else is around, nobody else is hearing this, and, and you will conceive and bear a son. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know as a virgin that the next question is, how is that even possible since I haven't known a man? It's because God is doing a miracle and God is doing a work and he does it for his glory In Luke 1, verse 35, it says this. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And Jesus' birth was the result of the Holy Spirit working within her. The immaterial and the material coming together and God does a miraculous thing because the Savior who would come to the earth had to have no sin nature. It had to be protected and this is how God chooses to do it. There are some other subtle scripture points about uh, the virgin birth that you can see in scripture as well so that we understand that how the scripture describes this event. Uh, the first one is uh, in Matthew 1.16 and it's found in the original languages but it says Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born who is called the Christ. Uh, the word or the term of whom in that, in that verse in Matthew 1.16 is in the feminine singular in the Greek. Jason can explain that to you after the service. Indicating that Jesus was born of Mary only and not of Mary and Joseph. Like the way the Greek is structured, it was designed that the emphasis was put on born of Mary. Matthew, in fact, goes out of his way to make this point in, in um, Matthew 2, verse 13. You remember they're told to flee and go down to Egypt. And in Matthew 2, 13, it says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Arise, and take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? The angel said, rise, take the child and his mother. The angel didn't say, get your son and your wife out of here. Matthew's making a point. It's what the angel said to Joseph. And then in verse 20 of Matthew chapter 2, the same thing. Rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are, they're dead. He didn't say, take your son and your wife. He said, take the child and his mother. Matthew's making the point, making it strongly. So, in Isaiah, 
it is about a virgin. And in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and in the response of, of uh, Joseph and in the response of Mary, clearly, clearly, she is a virgin. But even one more thing. Even Jesus as he grew up, his enemies mocked him about this. In John chapter 8 and verse 41, the second part it says, we were not born of sexual immorality. They were still poking at it. They were still poking at what was being said and what was being understood. So the first reason why the virgin birth cannot be separated from our faith is that the Bible teaches it and it teaches it clearly. The second reason why the virgin birth is so, so important and critical to Christianity is that Christianity cannot stand without a virgin birth. It's a hinge pin. It's a critical piece. Because it is the way that God protected his son. It is the way that God allowed the spotless lamb to come. It's the way God worked. It's the way he worked we needed an acceptable sacrifice. And God created an acceptable sacrifice in his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread among all men because all have sinned. But Jesus was not born in sin. That is, he did not have a sin nature. And there's lots of other discussion about how God protected that through the seed of the man and all the rest of, and it's all amazing doctrine and it's not really the topic of the day specifically. Other than to say, regardless of how God protected the birth of Jesus, it's a miracle and he did it. And Jesus was born. The virgin birth circumvented the transition of the sin nature and allowed the eternal God to become the perfect man. God miraculously protects his son so that he is the spotless lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. And Mary gives birth to the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I thought a lot about Mary this week. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about maybe next year's uh, Christmas series. I thought, I think I'm going to call it Mary Had a Little Lamb. That'd be kind of cool. Got to get rid of the rest of that thing because it's really kind of goofy after that. But the immutable God takes a, a servant and fulfills his plan through a miraculous work so that we can have eternal life. In that moment, in that moment. Well, so what? So what? When he says, behold, and so we'll sit up and we'll listen and we'll take note. Behold, the moment to reveal the plan of God has come. Behold, God in all of his sovereignty, God in all of his character, God with all of his attributes, God with, whose name should be lifted high. Behold, God. God's going to take a virgin and she will conceive and she will bear a son and they will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. 
And behold, the God who does all of this, he does it for us. He does it for us. He's given us his son. And if you've never accepted the gift of his son, today's the day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But church, he's given us his son. And as a result of what he has done for us and in us and is now doing through us, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. We thank you for this one line in scripture. Behold, behold, God, what you have done. The virgin shall conceive. God, you did a work so that my salvation could be complete. I pray, God, that you would now continue to work in your church and you would work through us and you would use us for the fame of your name, that the testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out from us, that others would hear the good news and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Lord. And the one who's in the room right now, the person who's never trusted Christ today, in repentance they would turn, understanding their sinfulness separates them from a loving God who fulfilled his plan and sent his son, that today they would turn in faith and trust Jesus Christ. But then, Lord, work in us. Work in us, your church, that we lean hard on who you are. We would, we would look and see the work that you did in giving your son, and Father, as a result, our singular focus would be to bring you glory. Do this work in your way for your fame and your glory, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.